welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. We've started a new series, This Is Me, and um, we're, we're reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 13. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to quickly read that. That's our base scripture for all the messages that we're doing. And it says here in Matthew 16, 13, 13, so when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, said, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this scripture is the first mention of church, and it opens the door to a world of incredible revelation about not only the life of the church, but the life of the individual in the church. It, it's, it's a revelation that is birthed on one simple truth, that if you understand who Jesus is and confess his name, you are a part of that church. Does that make sense to you? That when you know him, when you know who he is, when you have discovered who Jesus Christ is, then you... Be- begin to be a part of an incredible family. And the Bible has so much to say about who the church is. And who the church is, is who you are. A lot of people want to know who they are. Who am I? What should I do? Where should I be going? The the church is who you are. So the question isn't, who am I? The question is, who is the church? If I know who the church is, then I can begin to discover my part, my place, my, my, my gifting, who I am, my identity, my purpose, and my vision for life. Peter discovered his vision and his purpose and his destiny for life right here, right at this moment. Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he begins to open up to Peter this incredible revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. And so tonight we're going to look at the metaphors or the the descriptions of the church. And we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to go from verse 15. And and it says in Colossians 1, 15, it says, He is the image, this is talking of Christ, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. This is one of the most beautiful, most poetic descriptions of the sovereignty and the deity of who Jesus Christ is. But in here, it lies this description of the church, and it says of him, it says, and he is, uh, sorry, and it says, he is the head of the body, the church. And suddenly we begin to discover that Jesus Christ is the head, and the church is the body. 
And I want to speak about the body tonight for us to understand who we are as a body. You know, if Jesus Christ isn't the head, then the body is not alive. You know, um, the, the greatest craze of today's society, the obsession that we have today um, with, with um, fantasy and science fiction and all those kind of storytelling is zombies, isn't it? It's a, a zombie. And, and, you know, I've discovered that there's a massive whole zombie uh, is vampires and zombies, actually, isn't it? Uh, but zombies, just zombie movies. And the basic thing, zombie movies are all the same, right? You've got this dead, weird thing that's dead but alive, and it walks around, and it sort of like just seems to like just constantly walking, yet always catches up with the people who are running away. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Like, zombies don't run, they just like. They always say in the movies that they're a bit stiff-legged. You would be if you were dead, right? So, so they don't really have sort of, I don't know, elbows and knees possibly. Maybe when you're undead, elbows and knees don't work so well. So, so in the zombie movies, they, they, um, they sort of crawl along at a very slow pace, but somehow always catch up with the living and then chew on them for a while and infect them with this dead disease who become another zombie. But the church that hasn't got Christ as their head has become a zombie church because it appears to be alive but is in fact dead. In, in Revelation, they, he speaks, Jesus speaks to the church and says, you, you appear alive but you are in fact dead. And that is the sign of a church that hasn't got Jesus Christ. They've lost the head who is Jesus Christ. They've lost the central figure. And you know, it is so easy for us, for us to lose the central figure of who we are and why we do what we do. You know, I was watching a man who was exploring. He's one of these TV program presenters and he was going around the world and he was... um, a declared sort of atheist, they pretty much all are, and he, um, he was actually, I, I think he was in the Falklands, or he's one of those kind of really remote British islands that are in the middle of nowhere, and it's just because of the sort of historical British Empire pride that few British people still live there, and they just do it because they're British, and we're going to live here. It's the most pig horrible place on the planet but we claimed it so it's ours and we're living here and and nobody else in the world wants to live in those places apart from the Argentinians and 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 so he was he was in one of these remote islands where there were these people and and um, somebody had died on the island and so he was observing the funeral and he was talking about how when it comes to a funeral how he liked to go to church and he liked the formality he liked it gave him comfort to go through the tradition and the formality of what religion gave him and so what he began to describe as something and at first it sounded quite appealing he was adding an appeal to church life and he's explaining this and he's speaking in such inviting terms. He's describing a very traditional church experience that gave him comfort. 
And what gave him comfort wasn't faith, wasn't God, wasn't Jesus Christ, it wasn't the message of hope. What gave him comfort was tradition and form. The reliability that I know what's going to happen next. And sure, humanity likes reliability. It likes form. It likes to know. We like to know what's going to happen next. Within a traditional church environment, if you're just looking, if you don't want to be made uncomfortable, if you're feeling ill at ease, there is something very comforting about a traditional environment. Amen? And so here he is describing, but he wasn't describing faith. He was describing tradition. And he was giving religion a kind of a bit of a, it's okay at funerals. <laughs> Great. And, but what he was describing was something which appeared alive, but was in fact dead. Because there wasn't a message of hope. There wasn't a message of truth or salvation or belief in Jesus Christ. It was simply the tradition of adding some kind of form to kind of neaten that rather awkward moment of death. And, and just give it some kind, of, some kind of dignity, some kind of... Like just wrap it up neatly in a traditional form, in, in, in words which have been heard many times before. If we can just repeat that process, then we can wrap it up neatly and, and put the man in the ground and then we can move on and not think about it anymore. What is that? I think it's possibly a zombie church. I think it's possible for us to become zombie Christians, to be ones who have a form of life but have no power, to have nothing, to be truly on the inside, just dead. You see, Jesus Christ is the head and we are his body. And the amazing thing about this is that if he is the head and we are the body, then there's huge implications. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now, this is an interesting fact. How many of you have ever seen a person with a great body and gone, I'd like that body? Not if you're looking, I mean, not if I'm looking at women, right? That sounds bad, doesn't it? I look at women. I don't think I can even move on from that statement. Yeah, who's listening to these messages? Far less. And uh, so everybody has seen somebody who's got a great body and you've looked at that person and gone, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean... A... Oh, no! Oh, no! How rude! <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is <laughs> I'm not sure even I know how to I kind of feel like if I'm trying to explain what I mean I'll just get worse but I know that you know what I mean I know 
<laughs> and you're holding out on me because you want you want me to make another mistake, don't you? <laughs> Cheryl, you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's uh, taken advantage of me all day. Okay? <laughs> no! No! <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the body <laughs> she, she just can't get her hands off the body that's what it is it's the six pack I was talking about this morning <laughs> I didn't even know how to pull this back I, I <laughs> And the trouble is, the whole message is about body. I can't even. I can't even get away from it. I can't. I can't even move on. Okay. Do you know? I have no idea how to rescue this. One Corinthians twelve. <laughs> says for us the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many and one body so also is Christ no one wants that body and, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hold it together. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jesus has the body. <laughs> he is the body. He has the body and we are his body. We can look at other people who've got muscles and think, I wish I had the muscles. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> we, could, we, were, we were out paintballing yesterday, and uh, Michael's not here, is he? He's not here tonight. He was here. He's just so ripped. He was, uh, and he, I said to Joe, I said, man, he's ripped. It's like it was a bit of um, a sort of man love right at that moment. It was just an appreciation of a man with muscles, and uh, he's just standing there, and he made a good target, mind. And, uh, but, but, you know, you can, you can look at yourself and, and wish that you had something amazing. You know what? There are Christians all over the world and they're looking at other churches and going, I wish I was like that. I wish, but we are the body 
of Jesus Christ. We are that body. We're wishing that we were something, but we are that body. Everyone's wishing they were something, but we are the something because we are His body. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And this is the one most important thing to understand, that we think of Jesus as a person with a body, but Jesus Christ is the head and we are His body. And that is so important to understand that the headship, the authority, the mind, the thought, the leading, it all comes from Christ, but we are so much a part of who He is and what He's doing. A lot of people say, oh, you know, Jesus, He doesn't need you. Of course He needs you. It's one of the great sort of cliches of church that people make up these noble statements. It's not in the Bible. They just make it up and it sounds noble so they, they repeat it and it gets repeated. And there's so many times you'll, you'll hear um, things like, yes, G- Jesus doesn't, he doesn't really need you, but you know, he wants you. Of course he needs you. You're his body. I don't look at my little finger and go, well, I don't really need you. Of course I need you. It's, it's my body. There, there, I don't want to lose any part. It's bad enough losing a tooth. <laughs> you get a, you know, you're like, oh no, I've just lost a tooth. And it's like, it's, you don't want to, you know, everyone who's lost a tooth knows that kind of, that regret from eating that thing that was that hard, isn't it? <laughs> I wish I'd never done that, but it's too late. And so we have to understand that we are the body of Jesus Christ. And it says in if one verse 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 12:26 and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it or if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it. And tonight this is a very simple message about understanding the process of body because it says here that we are his body and members individually. If we are that body then we are that body because we are here together. You only have an individuality because you are here with a crowd. You do not exist as an individual outside of the rest of the body. There isn't one part of my body I can remove, keep it at home, and it's just happy being there. And I can go back, get it, and it's still alive. It doesn't exist without the rest of my body. And so often, we feel that we have something. And people kind of pull themselves back from the body, the body of Jesus Christ, believing that they have something else, something unique. But you do not exist outside of the body. We only exist because of the body. That we are members individually, but we are members corporately, and our individual nature is, is there because of everybody else that is around us. The uniqueness of your ministry and your gift only exists because of the ministry and the giftedness of those people around you. I tell you this, that this is the reality of my own life and my own ministry. Um, that my ministry would not exist today if it wasn't for my wife. It's true. Even though she takes advantage of me. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have that measure. I wouldn't have that insight. I wouldn't have that understanding. I wouldn't have that perception. It's because of who we are as a husband and wife. 
And true to say, I wouldn't be the pastor I am today without the congregation that helps me to be that person. Are you understanding that my ministry only exists because you exist? And so your ministry, your position, your calling, your destiny only exists because the church exists. And your, your ability to be an individual, to stand within the crowd, to be celebrated. There are many times when you, know, when, when you achieve something and, and you celebrate. When somebody achieves something and they celebrate. And everyone celebrates with the person who got that. But there is a celebration as a whole, one body. We've been celebrating with, the, with YA because of what God has done amongst them. They've, they've scored a few goals. They, they've achieved some breakthrough. And so we celebrate with them because they are the body but they their existence exists because we have a body and we exist individually because we are part of a body it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and this is where I want to come to tonight in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 and he says and he put all things under his feet And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, it goes on to say that if Jesus has put on, he's put all things, if all things have been put, sorry, under Jesus' feet, well, who's his feet? Where is feet? It says that he has all authority. Jesus reigns in all authority. He is the head. But we are his body. You can't separate the head from the body. Both become lifeless. You cannot separate the church from Christ. Jesus said upon this, let me go back to this. It says here in Matthew, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound uh, in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is it talking about? It's talking about authority and power. The enemy cannot separate church from Christ or or Christ from church. Why? Well, because when you take a head from a body, both die. Now, Christ isn't going to die. So the church is going to rule and reign. Now, if the church is going to rule and reign, the church has something more. We often live with a defeat. We live with this this sort of epic sense of trying to overcome, trying to win a victory, trying to gain something. But the Bible already says, let me read it to you again, right at the end here, and he put all things under his feet. What things? All things. What does all things mean? It means everything upon which authority and power and decisions have to be taken. All authority, any hindrance, anything that stands in our way, all thrones, all powers, all authority has been placed under the feet of Christ. Well, his feet are part of his body, which is his church. And so it doesn't say it has been placed under his head, which would sit on top of the church, would be beyond our reach. It has been placed beneath his feet, which is where we stand. We stand on top 
of everything that Christ has gained for us. We have been placed in a place of authority over all debt, over all poverty, over all sickness, over all sorrow, over all kings, over all authority. It was Billy Graham who was once told that he once was um, asked whether he would run for president. And he said, why would I uh, step down from my office to become a president? He knew his position in a place in the kingdom of God, his kingly place of authority. So many people in the kingdom of God have stepped down from their place of authority into something of the world, not truly understanding that in the kingdom of God, we have rule and reign over all things. And in that place, because we are in Christ, in his body, and so therefore all things are under our feet. And you know, we have to come to a place in the kingdom of God where we come to the church and we start realizing we are a one body. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one mourns, we all mourn. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. You know, we all know that it, pain, small pain at the end of your finger affects your whole body. And so when one suffers, we all suffer. And I, I've seen the effects of sorrow of people within the house who suffer and just the sorrow, it goes through the house. But then the decision, this is what happens when you're in pain. You either magnify the pain or you draw deep within yourself to reject the pain and to bring forth wholeness and health again. Isn't that the truth? You either, you either go and curl up in a corner and put your thumb in your mouth and just feel like you're being persecuted and, and you're going to die because you're in so much pain or you draw on the fortitude of the person who you are on the inside and you begin to rise up again and say, I'm not going to be defeated by this pain and you begin to speak encouragement to the part of the body that you have and it's part of the will of who you are to literally bring healing back to yourself that's what you do that's a very natural process even when you're in pain you're looking I know that when I've hit my thumb with the hammer which is something that happens from time to time particularly when I'm cabinet making and I've got little pins and I'm the, the pin is about that big and the hammer is you know that big and you just got to you just got to give it a bang, 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 bang. Whoa, that, <laughs> that's my knuckle. And, uh, and it's bleeding and it's sore and it's kind of swelling up a bit. And there's a moment you're looking at it and it's in pain and you hop around for a while and uh, you say things. <laughs> and and you, you just, you're in that place of pain, but then the pain, and then as the pain, but you, what you're doing is you're looking and you're waiting for the pain to subside. And what, what, how is the pain subsiding? Well, you're ministering to you. You're just drawing on the fortitude of your inner self and just going, okay, right. And now I'm not, I'm not going to be moved anymore by the pain. I'm just going to carry it. And eventually you pick up the pin and the hammer and you go again. And, you draw, and you're not, you, you, you still feel the pain, but you're not restricted by the pain. The body of Jesus Christ 
is affected by the things that happen to one another. But we're not crippled by them. We're not destroyed by them. We're not broken by them. Because the fortitude of who we are in Jesus Christ enables us and empowers us to minister to one another and say, come on, let's rise up again. Let's push in again. Even though we've been hurt before, even though we felt suffering before, that has not killed the body, has not destroyed the body, has not weakened the body, has not robbed it of destiny, has not destroyed its hope or taken away the call of God upon its life. This is the body of Jesus Christ. This is our church. This is who we are. And we will not be constrained or restrained. We will not be held back, tied down. We will not be confused or held in a place of contempt. We will rise up within ourselves knowing that Jesus Christ fills our very being, our all in all. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are that body with that muscles. We are the body of Jesus Christ. That is what enables us and what empowers us to to draw on the inner man and to rise up again. Let's all stand, shall we? For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.